That's the Tiltcast, episode 496. And this week, guys, we're going to talk a whole lot about Dying Light 2. Worcestershire. Give you a pretty much full review of Lost Ark. Worcestershire. And talk a lot about Horizon Forbidden West. Stay tuned. How do you even pronounce that sauce? <laughs> it's a tilt Yeah. We're back, guys. Um, I don't know what the time and temperature is, but I'm about to get there. I'm Nas. Uh, I'm I'm Rusty. It's a uh, M-rated show. and get ready for 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games, some news. Um, it is February the 19th, and getting back to dating, since we haven't done that much in season 13, mm-hmm. at 10.06 p.m., we're last one, Jason, due to a migraine, but it is me and Rusty in the studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know about migraines, man. Oh boy. Yeah, me and uh, <laughs> me and Rusty were talking about uh, the good old days. Actually, some ways that the show's origins came about, but uh, we're talking about food. Uh-huh. And oh, of course, because food. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, fat guys. It is. <laughs> it is. It is the fat guys' favorite. Way of uh, passing well, time. What do you guys always think we're talking about diets? Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. It's like no, it's hey, not like low you know calorie what? diets. It's just fucking keto. You're right. I, you know, well, as I slowly drip the pounds off. I am one by I am, one. I am gaining them, though. That's the thing. I need to get back on the fucking keto. Yeah, it worked for you before. Uh, yeah, do it again. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just need to. Um, I need to take the. Uh, what I need to do is I need to disconnect my uh, my. Uh, smoke alarm in my kitchen um, because when I cook a steak, it fucker goes off. Oh, because you got to get the fucking cast iron like uh, 400 yeah, degrees. Yeah, because you, if you get uh, – if you get – if you want to get the steak right, you have to cook it hot, hot and yeah. fast – so that the inside doesn't actually cook all that much. You want to get a good crust on the outside, and that is uh, that is hard to do in an apartment. Um, because with an electric stove. With an electric – well, it's not necessarily just the electric stove. Like, you can do that on an induction top. But um, it's it's the fact that the alarms, the, the smoke alarms in an apartment complex, don't know when to shut up. The last time I made a steak – uh, you know, proper steak. It tasted great. I had the um, uh, I had a chorus of smoke alarm going off the entire time I was eating the steak because I could not get the fucker to shut up. I but you were determined to get the steak while it was good. But the steak, you know, I mean, the steak had rested for five minutes. Alarm still going off. I'm like fucking. I'm ready to go. This you know and. And uh, I was not allowing. I was not going to let the alarm piss me off enough to fuck my steak. So, <clears throat> yeah, the uh, there's a couple of different ways to do it. I don't know if you ever tried this, but I do the. I've been doing when I do it on the stovetop. I've been doing the reverse here. Yeah, I've done reverse here before. So just basically getting it up to temp right. in the oven, pulling it off for a second, heating that skillet way the fuck up, and dumping some more butter and onions or whatever else I want to put in there. That's and the then, part. And then butter has a low smoke point. So Well, what I uh what I need to do and what I had done before, I've got all the stuff for it, is I need to make clarified butter. Um which has a higher smoke point. It has it it has a higher a much higher smoke point. Um 
and it doesn't necessarily put the plume of smoke into the kitchen that a uh, that a good seared you know uh, steak sear does. So hopefully that would be enough to only have the smoke alarm go off for like five minutes, which I can handle. Uh, I was about the problem with my smoke alarms is I've got a vaulted ceiling and they're at the top of the fucking vault. So you so have to get up there. I need a 15-foot fucking ladder to get to the goddamn uh, smoke alarms. And, of course, because it's at the top of a vaulted ceiling, all that smoke rising is going to sit there for a while. <laughs> so I can't get rid of it. Do you not have a good vent on your stove? Uh, there is no vent. There's The vent is, you know, it's that fucking, you know, under the micro microwave vent that doesn't actually vent to anything. Kind of like mine does. It like pulls it up away from the stove and out into the kitchen. Right, exactly. It's more like a fan that goes through a grate, and that doesn't really do anything for smoke. So, eh, you know, apartment living sucks. This is why when I get my house, I am going to have a full-on steak-ready kitchen. I love the the dog is like in my face right now. So, um, yeah, he can hear the excitement. She wants she wants attention. Um, well, this you know, randomly, uh, I kind of voluntold Rusty for watching Lola while I'm out of town. Yeah, but I'm not going to be out of town for that long, so it's not long periods of time. Yeah, I feel fully confident that Lola will fully enjoy herself. Oh, she will not leave me alone. I am sure of it. You're going to have a dog in your lap the whole uh, time. It, it's probably going to happen exactly that way. Um. She loves me way too much. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking actually kind of looking forward, oddly enough, to having, you know, a uh, a companion for a day. Um, but it's it's most definitely rent a pup. You can have her back. <laughs> uh, um, Get your workout going up and down the stairs, pooping her. Probably, yeah, at, at, at least a few times. Um, she needs to let out about four times a day. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to know. Um, and she'll let you know. Oh, I, I'm I am sure of it. She'll probably come let me know at fucking like two o'clock in the afternoon when I'm sleeping. Um, no, I'll just have to reacclimate her to a day schedule when she's here. Yeah, well, you know. All right, it's it's the price I'll pay. Yes. The uh, but back to food. Food. Um, I. So Matt got a better job and has been wanting to buy food for us while we do our little game sessions. Yes. And I told him, I was like, Matt, me and John are kind of like on diets of sorts, right? I don't want to blow my diet every two weeks because I can't maintain keto if I cheat every two weeks. Like I maybe once a month and then I'm going to have to like really watch how much I cheat with it. So like if you get pizza, I may get start eating pizza toppings just to keep myself from going too far overboard. Right. Because barely lost any weight since the last time that we uh and it's been a month uh well no it's been two weeks but i just basically got back into keto from the last time we did it two weeks ago from him buying food okay yeah so he uh he's like okay well, i'll just i'll go get some meat and you can grill i was like all right he's like go by the meat market he's like all right i was like yeah they've got really good hamburger i was like six bucks a pound i mean that's a little more expensive than what you'll pay at walmart it's like it'll feel like you have been eating washed meat your whole life after you get hamburger that's local sourced and hasn't been like freeze dried and like 
put into stasis for nine months. <laughs> stasis meat. Well, I don't know what they do with Walmart meat, but like it's been like preserved in a way that's unnatural. It's uh, well, yes, they expose it to some form of fucking gas so that it stays pink. Um, and it definitely, it's definitely not right. It's far from fresh. I had a guy that used to work for me, um, a long time ago that used to work for Walmart. He's like, yeah, so that meat's like nine months old a lot of times. Yeah. He's like, and then they put it in the package and stuff like that. And he's like, it's died and everything else. He's like, it's not normal meat. He's like, you need to quit eating that stuff. He's like, just go to Whole Foods or something. And, you know, I'd just disregarded it, be cheap about it. And I finally got back on the kick of, especially with the shortages in the grocery stores, I just mm-hmm. started going back to the meat market. Just not going to buy any meat from Walmart or Aldi or anything, any chain grocer, unless it's maybe Reesers. Um, so meat market meat is about the same price as Reesers, and it's actually better. So Reesers being a local store here, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also local meat. It's just not as good as Harvard meats. Eh. And uh, in the same price, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I went and got some hamburger earlier in the week, and that was delicious and about $6 a pound. Matt decides he's going to get a little bit extra because he's just getting hamburger. Well, he wants to get some good hamburger. Of course. He's like, can you make me a blend? And so they make him a blend. He's like, I don't know what they did, but he just brings it back. I didn't even look at it. But he got a blend, and what it was is it was chuck and and uh, beef roast or beef ribs. Oh, man. It was stupid. And so they blended it in the back, gave him fresh a fresh hunk of two pounds of freshly ground meat, like... From a cow that was slaughtered within, like, the last day or so. Okay. And uh, he bought some, like, fresh Vermont cheddar from there and got them to slice him up some cheddar. Like, he's like, I guess he's got a pound. That's what he, he just said, a pound of cheese. He didn't know what to get. A pound of cheese? Jesus. Okay. I've got some in the fridge if you want to slice. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I was about to say, you don't need a pound for hamburgers. Well, and they sliced it for him, too, on the meat slice or on the cheese slicer, too. Right. So it's like freshly sliced, like, really, really damn good Vermont cheddar. Oh, man. And uh, I threw those on. I've got a new Weber grill, and I th- threw those on with a couple of chunks of hickory in there for some extra flavor. And holy fuck, that was one of the best, if not the best hamburger I've ever had in my entire fucking life. Mm. And I made mine with, a, you know, the chaffle top, right? Right. Introduced John to chaffles, gave him that so that he wouldn't have the extra bread calories. And he was completely okay with it. Right. Um, I had one of those. I had a green chili burger. But it was mixed with a smoky flavor. And then while they were resting on the cool side of the grill... I threw a couple slices of the Vermont cheddar on it, so they're basically just wrapped in cheese. Oh, yeah. Um, with, like, a smoky flavor, and I got them right at medium medium rare with fucking rib meat. It was like ground steak or something. It was stupid. Ooh, stop. It was, it was <laughs> delicious. And I didn't make... I, I made five hamburgers. Six hamburgers from a little over two pounds of meat. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not bad. <laughs> and he got it like $10 a pound. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, with rib meat is fucking going to be expensive. Holy shit. $10 a pound. Um, yeah, he spent $30 on meat and cheese. <laughs> damn. 
I guess if you're going to go all out. Uh, <laughs> he, went, he went pretty extra, and I was like, Matt, because he's like, I need to make some fries. So, like, J- Jason brought over some potatoes, and we're making steak fries for everybody. He's like, Matt, just eat your burger. He's like, I'm going to wait for my fries first. It's like, take a bite. Take- he took a bite, and he's like, completely finished it before he even yeah. looked at fries. There's there Yeah, there's no fries. Yeah, there's like, no fries. We just all burger. stopped and ate. Yeah. And, like, basically shut up. Yep. <laughs> like, it was just like... I don't do a food dance very often, but I was I was impressed with myself. <laughs> yeah, well, the the milk, the quality of that meat made a huge difference too, though. I cannot stress enough after kind of getting back on the whole like local grocer meat kick again. Mm-hmm. Like if you can afford to spend a little bit extra for some hormone free fresh meat, it's such a difference. Fresh meat. <laughs> yeah, I got some like chicken wings from there the other day. Yeah, and uh, over the fucking top. I have I have some extra challenges when it comes to this. So, I sleep when the meat markets are open. Yeah, so, they're only open like ten to six. Right. So, um, that is the exact hours I am passed out, passed smooth out because I am a freaking vampire. So, uh, I have a hard time. Like, there's a there's a meat market that's not too bad. Uh, you know, not far from where I live, like right around the fucking corner, practically. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, when I made that steak, that was, I got that steak from there. I got a, you know, you know, I got a, a ribeye from them. Uh, and, um, uh, that w- it was really great. Like the only other place that was even close to that is Reese's. Well, he was saying that they had some New York strips that were ten bucks a pop. Ooh. That they were selling that were like right around ten. They had cut them to the weight of about ten dollars a steak, basically. Ooh. He's like, I think next time I do this, I'm gonna just bring some New York strip over. Okay. So you know, I, I, you you I I don't know I I don't have a character, but I'll show up. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> we usually don't even get going till seven o'clock. <clears throat> well, I mean. Oh, you're trying to coax me out of my apartment with food and it's working. <laughs> I mean, and then I make it pretty keto. Yeah, I um, I uh, after even, after were my... talking about like just doing breakfast burritos one time because I was like, get some good bacon and some good sausage and some eggs, mm-hmm. make some really badass breakfast burritos oh, for yeah. dinner sometime. I'd be. Totally down for that. Oh yeah, get you get yourself. Oh man, you could you could you could definitely go uh, overboard on uh, on breakfast burritos and and go ham with a lot of that. Just stuff. make like half a chunk of sausage and several eggs and just scramble that shit up and you know some onions, some green peppers. Throw that shit in there. Mm, uh, Sauteed mushrooms. I'm perfect. I've, perf- got, a, I'm, I've a, got a couple a of thing. picky eaters, but I could probably saute all that shit on the side, and me and John would eat it the fuck up. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 all about like, yeah, give me a a good breakfast burrito. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> give and it I've to got, me. And I've got keto keto wraps for my breakfast burritos when I want to do that. Well, I don't I don't necessarily need that. You know what a breakfast burrito with a wrap is? An omelet. <laughs> no, I literally get keto. Uh, I just just make a fucking omelet. Uh, I guess you could just do that. Yeah, <laughs> I suck at making omelets. I'm I'm actually well. Um, I I suck at making the 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 rolled omelets. 
the ones that look like a burrito. I I am not too bad at the ones that are more like a. You almost have to. You have to get the eggs so like just runny enough that they just finish cooking right as you're pulling it off and putting yeah. it on the plate. And that's I'm not good at that. Uh, no, uh, neither am I. Then again, I'm also an over hard egg guy, so it's uh, I like to destroy my eggs um, instead of having them being like runny at all uh so well you even talked about getting jason to make like his chili queso or whatever you know that he makes for nachos oh yeah yeah and yeah. Then just throwing that in the burrito oh yeah i mean that would be perfect um it's it's really not all that but i guess i'm gonna get to cook a lot because matt was like what about some burrito tacos and I was like, I could do that. It's going to take me all damn day. He's like, or like some tamales or some enchiladas. Of course, or the tamales like, would show uh, show up. Yeah, you don't know exactly how much work goes into tamales. The tamales is like an all day affair. I mm-hmm. was like, I could. I was like, I'd probably be better off getting my grandpa to make the tamales and then me making red sauce. Yeah, because because the red sauce doesn't take very long. <laughs> and he makes huge batches that him and his son eat all the time. Yeah. Like, my, my Fr- uncle lives... Frozen tamales, are, you know, they, they heat up just fine. My uncle basically pays him rent to live upstairs at his house. Yeah. And so they make tamales all the fucking time. Sweet. Yeah. So sometimes I trade barbecue for tamales. Hmm? They're only it's a good miles. trade. They're only two miles away. I like my red sauce better. Grandpa will never hear this. But... <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. I can't make a better tamale, though. Um... I mean, uh, the band's been making them for fucking sixty years. Yeah, the uh, the the homemade red sauce. I mean, if it's yeah, you you make a pretty good red sauce. <laughs> so I've got it down to doing it even without flour, which is crazy. Yeah, I I haven't even it's, it's, it's attempted. All it, it's just a, it's a red chili reduction at that point, and it just comes out like gravy. Yeah, I, I haven't even I haven't even attempted. I know kind of how to do it, but not necessarily haven't attempted it. I'm a, yeah, I'm but, still a novice when it comes to that shit. But yeah, the, uh, we were getting back to the original, original conversation. Right. We were talking about food and me getting Matt to explore other avenues. The The first time we restarted playing a, basically kind of a D&D campaign, it's basically like Kind of like Fallout, the game sort of would be, or like the Wasteland series from, you know, Wasteland. Uh-huh. It's basically kind of what it is. Okay. Um, but kind of in a D&D style. And uh, when we first started it, Matt had gotten some chicken wings or chick like <laughs> boneless chicken, like basically chicken nuggets <laughs> that we were dipping in, in like super hot sauce. I've got some, if you want to try it, I have, uh, what's the, the last drop or the last... Dip, the last dab. Oh, yeah. So I ate about two tablespoons of that a couple weeks ago. Oh, my God. And it did It did burn coming out, I will tell you that. And it oh. did leave my mouth numb for about 20 minutes. Oh, no. It's pretty hot. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the I last dab I, is... I think it's three and a half million Scoville units. Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you. Holy it's crap. Not... Does it burn through the bottle? Uh... No, it's <laughs> it's edible. I'm like, it's... It actually has a decent flavor 
The the thing about last dab is they're using Carolina Reapers, and Carolina Reapers are very similar in their heat profile. They're way hotter. They hit you the same way a ghost pepper does. You know how ghost peppers, like, initially just taste smoky? Uh-huh. And then it just, like, gets hot in the back of your mouth? Uh-huh. It, that's basically what it does. Like, it's you taste it, and then a few seconds later, the heat, like, warms way up. And yeah. then you don't taste much else for about 20 minutes. Right. No, you you taste fire, and that's that's all you taste. I couldn't eat it daily, probably, because it would just wreck my insides. But I would say it's very edible. It's just, it's pretty hot. Yeah. And I will say, John was brave enough to eat it, and Dave, Dave loves ghost pepper, so Dave's got a pretty decent heat profile. But, like, all three of us, minus Matt, had the last dab a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. It's... Mm. I think... I feel like some of the Dave's Insanity sauce is hotter, but scientifically, I guess that's supposed to be the hottest sauce, or one of them. Okay. Because it's Carolina Reaper, like, extract. <laughs> if I were, No, if I remember correctly, there's one I of those bottles like, that has a, a, a release form that comes with it. I, um, that's, I don't... That's <laughs> I, remember. I don't remember there being a release form. Maybe there was when he bought it, I don't know. But <laughs> I remember there was... I don't know if it's if it's that... Uh, I think it's a it, joke. Like it's all edible. It's just hot as fuck. Right, but the you know the box that comes with it has the bottle, and around the bottle is you know is a fucking release form if, that's wrapped around it. If you're missing your gallbladder, it could be potentially dangerous. But like, yeah. But aside from like gastrointestinal issues, if you don't have any, like if you have acid reflux, it, have it'll give you some. Yeah, <laughs> I. It's one hundred percent edible. Like a, it's there's a lot of things that's one hundred percent edible that will still kill you. <laughs> so it's a, it's hotter than the one chip challenge, but way tastier. The one chip challenge is always give you a fucking stale ass chip. Yeah, and and I noticed that, and it was and it's always hard to get down because it's stale. It's like super fucking dry, and that's actually part of it. Like the dust poofs in your mouth, and then you inhale a little bit of it. You know. Oof. And it's just that that sounds painful just 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 the way that you described that that sounds painful but um yeah i i can do all sorts of hot stuff i just i i, I have an unfair advantage i mean you a hispanic mom you kind of grew up with that yeah i have a hispanic family and we all grew up eating peppers with everything nah nah i grew even up even my dad grew up even my dad like adopted the the whole thing of always eating like a serrano or a jalapeno with every meal. He's oh, like, it's no. how I get my vitamin C. And then when I got a little bit older, I started to be like dad and eat the jalapeno with everything, right? So he'd always have like a fresh garden-picked jalapeno, seeds and all, just... I mean, I would have loved that growing up, but I'm like, I'm different. Like, I'm different than my entire family. I like hot things. Like, I... I like a little bit of heat. I don't necessarily want to destroy my taste buds whenever I'm, you know, uh, whenever I'm eating something. Like if I'm if I'm eating a burrito, I want to taste the burrito. I don't want to just taste hot. But I mean, I eat pepper flakes on fucking everything. But yeah, but when it comes down to it, if I if I think back to my childhood, everything about my childhood was imitation vanilla. It was. It it was as mild as mild could be without being bland. 
It was because uh, there's nothing, not a thing that I can remember growing up that my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, anybody would make that had any form of heat to it. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's like a perfect, like it's, my tolerance is pretty high, but like regular eating is somewhere kind of in the medium to hot range, you know? No. Like when I'm just eating stuff, right? Like it's not, I have to be in a mood, right? But like. If I go to a Mexican restaurant and I get like bland ass red sauce that doesn't right. even taste like it has a heat profile, there's I start there. to wonder like, what it's happened? A, Who's the white dude that's in charge of this? They came from a can, dude. <laughs> yeah, like I start to wonder like, what <laughs> happened? Yeah, are you guys not proud of your heritage? No, <laughs> are you? <laughs> again, are you even real? <laughs> again, who's the white manager that fucked this up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, but the um, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 not wrong if you're going for uh, you're going for that flavor. You're going to expect some form of heat. Like yeah, the thing a... is, is, you know, like certain you know certain salsas. I mean, it's supposed to have you know some heat to it, uh, and the the whole idea behind a mild salsa is just like. Why? Why? Honestly, why would you I put tomato the... sauce on a fucking tomato burrito? It's... Yeah, like. <laughs> I'll tell you the best Mexican food I've had in a very long time was when I went to El Paso a few months ago. That was some of the best fucking Mexican food I've had. Like all of their hot sauces mm-hmm. were flavorful plus hot. Right. And they use a lot of fucking sor- I love serranos and shit. And they were using serranos on a lot of stuff in there. It's very popular pepper. Yeah. Oh, it's a very available pepper. And it's like hotter than a jalapeno, but it has a different flavor. Mm-hmm. And it just gives a little pop to everything. It just it's like make you feel a little bit alive every yeah. time you eat it. That I think that's the point. It's it's tasty as fuck, man. Well, see, one of the things that I uh, when I did when I went uh, when I first went to you know get on keto was um, I had I have partial control issues. I'm a big guy, uh, so my eyes are definitely. Uh, I will look at a thing and I'll be like, "That's not enough." I mean, I did um, the same thing today. I made like a salad mm-hmm. and I grilled some chicken, right? Just and then I took like. Probably a quarter pound of chicken to mix it in there, and before I knew it, my salad bowl was literally like yeah, it was like a mixing, a mixing bowl full of chicken and a whole bunch of vegetables. Right, and, and I actually like, did not finish all of it. I was just like, "That's a lot of fucking salad." Right, because thinking salad like is going to squish down into this little bitty portion. Well, that's a lot of fucking vegetables. Right, but it's it. it you, you, I have the same problem. I just look at uh, look at a thing and be like, "Okay, if I'm going to make a truffle burger." Um, you know, and I'm going through the whole process of having a chaffle burger. My brain goes, it's going to be a double chaffle burger. Um, or it's going to be two chaffle burgers because I've already got the fucking iron hot. Uh, or something like that. That's what br- my my brain does weird shit like that because it's like, okay, whatever. What I did initially when I first uh, – on my first stint in keto and I lost like fucking a lot of fucking weight – you lost um, like 50 pounds or something, didn't you? Or maybe I lost more. almost, well, the first, my first go at keto, I lost almost a hundred. Um, I mean, you still kept some of that off. And, and I've, and I, it's still off, but I, I've gained some back because I love pizza. Um, uh, the, the, <laughs> that's a, just another thing. But what I did to, um, uh, to moderate myself was, I actually started making really hot shit. 
I started putting spice, like a lot of spice into things. Like it had, it had to be like, not necessarily like super fucking hot. I'm not going fucking like habanero or higher or anything like that, but just adding some spice uh, to the it. Easy, the easiest way to do that is just add a, add a kick of cayenne to stuff. Right. Well, it's not just that. Like cayenne's okay. But for me, it has to be like, it's got to be in a sauce, like so, something that's going to hit me like hard. I made, I made some spaghetti, you know, keto spaghetti a few last week, I want to say. Nate, this sounds like I'm not Italian. Mm. I added cayenne to the sauce. What? And it was like spicy spaghetti. Okay. It was bomb as shit. So. It was spicy Italian sausage and then cayenne in my fucking sauce. That's weird. And and then mixed with a little bit of Parmesan, it was pretty tasty. That's weird, but then again, also spicy ketchup is weird. So Spicy ketchup's the shit. I know, but still, thing. Th- that's the thing. Um, and, and one of the things that I, that I was doing was just I would – I went through so many bottles of Cholula because Cholula was basically like – you know, yeah, you like the more the more Mexican hot sauce. I like tapatio a lot. Okay, and, and, and I, that's I literally just put it on corn chips and eat it. Yeah, but well, I could do the same thing with you know with Cholula because Cholula is amazing. Um, but you know that went on eggs, that went on fucking burgers, that went on fucking literally everything except for maybe. Well, I'm I'm starting to think. It no, it went on, on everything. It tastes weird on steak, probably. Uh, no, it doesn't really taste that weird on steak. It's so it's kind of like you know if you've ever done a you know a spicy steak. Have you ever done a spicy steak? Um, normally, normally I had you chicken, go. I had chicken fried steak with serrano mixed in. Okay, okay, so that's chicken chicken fried steak with serrano. Uh, okay, that's fine. Kind of like spicy steak. Normally, you don't. Uh, you don't do. Uh, you you don't do that th- those things to steak. You you just do salt and pepper on steak, and you know you let the you let the flavors come out by themselves. Um, but what I had done uh, is I had marinated, and you can put the Cholula in the marinade, and that will uh, that will infuse into the steak, and you get you you get a very spicy steak. Um. I mean, I still got a, I got a steak I'm making tomorrow. I might try, see, I might just put a little dab of tapatio on my plate and see what it tastes like. I mean, putting it on as a finishing sauce is not bad either. You know, so, you know, that there's... I just, I don't do steak sauce because I don't see the point. Uh, that was another thing I was like, uh, at least it's not A1. Um, because... I never understood the fascination <laughs> with A1. Like, I'll do a little bit of Worcestershire and a really cheap <laughs> steak. Where's your sister sauce? Yes, where's your sister? Um, but <laughs> I'll do some of that sometimes on a really cheap steak that's not that good. But like, if you have a decent steak, like I don't even understand the point of sauce. The I mean, you know, I guess again, growing up, um, I've I've had my fair share of destroyed steaks. Um, well, when the pandemic first hit, I got. I couldn't find any, like, meat at all. Like, it was worse than it is even right now. And I was getting, like, these box steaks from Walmart. Oh. 
and they still had like connective tissue you'd have to trim out and like it was pretty bad i was getting to the point where i was just like trying to slice it in a way that i could make fajitas or something with it but i tried making some regular steaks with it no and they're super thin like the the box steak was like maybe a quarter inch thick and so you couldn't even get it medium because it would just just yeah it burn (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> right. Like uh, it was either raw or almost crispy. And so, like, the steaks were not tender at all, and they were thin, and they were kind of disgusting. And I was like, I'm just trying to make some, something good out of something bad. So, and I was using a lot of Worcestershire sauce on it. That was um, – so So those Spock steaks, the only thing that I've ever seen anybody do with those that was even edible – was chopstick. So, you know, just, you know, basically you already understand that that steak is going to be cooked to death. Um, and, you know, you, you just chop it up into small yeah, it's, fucking it's, pieces. It's basically like your old frozen steak. It's, I mean, yeah, box steak is like the worst. <laughs> it's like, sure, it's technically steak, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically dog food. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it is very bad. Um, yeah, I really do need to get back into keto. And I told you I would do it. I've got my my shipment of cookies here, and as soon as I'm done with the cookies, I'm going on keto. Yeah, I got I got some of the cookies too. So I'm not eating them. I'm going to give them away to. To friends and family. Well, uh, th- this is my last hurrah. So I'm I'm going to. Yeah, it looked like it was a lot of thin mints. It was, uh, thin mints and the um, uh, uh, s'more cookies. Yeah, I didn't look real deep into what you got. I just saw th- thin mints when I was looking. There was the there's a lot of thin mints there, but that 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 was the thing. It's like fifty dollars in cookies, wasn't it? Yeah, it was more of a. You know, support the Girl Scouts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm supporting the Girl Scouts and, you know, Jason's Kiddo and all that stuff, And I'm probably going to give, you know, I'm probably going to take a few of those boxes into work. Uh, To be be completely honest, I'm not going to go through ten boxes myself. Um, I bought four boxes, and like I said, it was like, it's like 20 bucks, no tax, supporting Jason's Kid and the Girl Scouts of America. Why not? Right. Um, You know. Like uh, I said, family I just, and friends. I'll I'll get rid of them. I'll you Super know I'll fast. take uh, take a couple boxes into you know, into work and they'll be gone in a day. So, um, so there's that. But yeah, uh, fucking food, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on top of all the food, um, I think that's been the most interesting thing that's happened. However, me and Rusty have delved into the wide world of game, and have done. Uh, and quite the we've actually played one game in common quite a bit, and then two games separate from each other. I think, right? Yep. Like I've got more vampire survivors under my belt. They unlocked a new character, and then the lightning now has an evolution that just shoots chain lightning all over the screen, which is great. Oh no, no, that's nice. Again, vampire survivors two ninety nine on Steam doesn't even need to be on sale. It's one hundred percent worth it. In early access, they update it weekly with something new. Do it. Um, and it's a run based game, so like, why the fuck not? It's super cheap. Um, it's got to go somewhere on my game of the year list, to be honest with you. Like best surprise. It's got to be in some category. I haven't put in that much time into a cheap ass game that's had 
that quality of content in a very long time. I mean, yeah. Uh, Loop Hero is pretty, you know, pretty good. Oh, it's you know, a $20 but, game. Well, true. I don't think I bought it for 20 bucks though. I think I, think I, I got it, it on sale for like 10 or 12 Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten some good quality content. I think Vampire Survivors lends itself to a short run, um, which I like. Like, you're never going to go longer than 30 minutes ever, though today I got to 31 minutes. Oh, my God. So what happens is death tries to kill you, um, and, like, not, like, literal death, the, uh, you know, like, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay. I was about to say, death as a character, gotcha. Death as a character. Death tries to kill you was a weird sentence in my head. I was rolling around for a bit. <laughs> so basically, when you hit the 30-minute mark, all the enemies explode, and then death pops up on screen, and usually is almost right on top of you if you're not moving. He moves faster than you, unless you have an ability that pushes things away. And I kept kiting him all over the place. You can't kill death yet. That's one of the things that's intentional. Okay. They just right. don't have a, a game past that point. So death just has a shitload of hit points and can, and will kill you. And the only way to kill him is to modify the game files to give you like a million damage, a pulse or something like that. Because they gave him like 999 million hit points. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yes. So, okay. and even with the cheat, you still have to kite him because he can like two-shot you. Mm, that's nice. Um, with all of the health upgrades. And with not even all the health upgrades, it's like one-shot you. So... Essentially, the I was able to use the new character that uses a. I had three different push abilities with my weapons, and so that were pulsing around me. So I kept pulsing him back just far enough for me to get him line of sight stuck on things to continue scrolling to the right and to the left as I tried to kite him and see how far I could get. But I got to 31 minutes, and it gave me like extra rewards for the time. I was really excited. I was like, I got to 31 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> You, you could kill him. Survived an extra minute. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I think with the cheats, it takes like 15 minutes to kill him. Um, Damn. So he's intentionally not killable. Right. Um. So, but Vampire Survivor is really good. I wanted to talk a little bit about a game we both played to get started. And then I wanted to talk about separate games that we've been playing. Okay. So, me and Rusty have been playing a lot of Lost Ark lately. Rusty's played about three times more than I have. I've got. I think I've got about 25 hours into it at this point. You've got a little over 60. About-ish, yeah. Yeah, and you've got the endgame content, and I'm like level 35. Well, endgame finger quotes. It's not necessarily got the to, end of endgame. You get to level 50 and working on getting yourself to level 60, right? Well, yes, there's there's that. Um, you got past the quote-unquote tutorial that's supposed to take 10 hours, but we found out it takes closer to 30 hours. So ten hours is the um, is the record held by a Korean that knows the game and basically just you know did the most efficient route and didn't do any side quests that he didn't need to. Yeah, um, I've liked some of the side quest content. I've liked some of the cutscenes, even though the story is like non-existent almost. I would say that Elix was more engaging. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay. It's it's very obvious that they kind of like it's just patched on. It's not a translation issue. The the no. voice acting's pretty mediocre. I don't know if it's in Korean if the voice acting's better, but I don't feel like that was a focal point. It feels like I'm not trying to trash on the game, but the story, I'm going to trash on the story because it feels like one more pager made for your phone bad. It's mm, it's 
it's all it, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> so I had some uh, I, I had some and the voice acting is fucking awful and the translation is not amazing. It might not be the translation. It's just like it's there's a lot of like church curse words in there, which is funny. <laughs> um, I call them church curse words like crap and heck and oh, dang and oh yeah. Um, it just feels hokey as fuck. Well, so that might be a little bit more of the culture thing. Um, but it is a Korean MMO that was westernized essentially. So, um, everything that you were hearing in, in, in English, they had to get somebody to, you know, to speak the lines for it. Now, there's not a whole lot of spoken lines in this game because most of the first line of text in, uh, in the quest is, uh, is spoken dialogue and that's probably all I could stand. Um, yeah, they give you one line of spoken dialogue and then you read the rest. Right. It, which maybe that's how they westernized it and got it voice acted in English. I guess. That's all I could stand though because like you said, the the voice acting in it is mediocre at best. Yeah, and I just um, tend, I got so bored with the story I would, wanted to get back to the action so it would just be get through that first line of dialogue to get a hint of what was going to happen then and speed then just, read the rest of the quest. Well, you can actually just kind of like click through and the game knows that you're going to speed read because it will highlight specific words that you need to uh that you need to actually pay attention to in the dialogue as a yellow as in yellow characters. Yeah. So you could just like click through and be like this, 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 and uh, Demon Bones are, is in fucking yeah. yellow, and they're like, click, 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 and then you look at the quest text and be like, you know, get a hundred uh, Demon Bones or whatever, right? Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. As soon as I realized that, didn't read the fucking story, none of that shit is retained. None of it. Like, I don't, I couldn't tell you more than maybe a couple characters in that game. Yeah, I know that he's going after the tablet to unlock the final evil and his ultimate power, etc. <laughs> and right, and some points, some points, the game is actually pretty fun. Like there are points in the game when you're the combat feels cool, ish. Yes, like at times it's been a little bit challenging, but like I do need a little bit more challenge than what it's given me. Yeah, so. The uh, the analogy that I uh, that I came up with as I was you know as I was sitting there was like this is uh, this is the biggest theme park of kitty rides that you could get into because it is very shallow, uh, but it is a wide sea of very shallow content. Um, most of the shit that you do is super fucking easy to the point where it's brainless. I've um, actually got bored. Yeah. And uh, why well, I understand that. Yeah. Like, because some of the quests are like, go talk to this guy, then go talk to this guy like five feet away, then come back and talk to this guy. Talk to three villagers, that pick that gonna... rock up, move it five feet, drop it at this person. There's a go... whole lot of picking up a rock and dropping it. Yes. Um, And then a whole lot of like skipping through lots and lots and lots of dialogue. And sometimes it's like five minutes of you skipping through dialogue mm-hmm. of you ping ponging back and forth between two characters. Yep. And then it finally gets back to, all right, so go back out in the world and go kill the things. And then I found myself just waiting for the dungeons because they were a little bit more, they were a lot more entertaining, honestly. Yes. The dungeon design's actually quite good. Yes. They did Um, a really good job on the dungeons. 
And I found myself, I actually died on one of them. So my first death on one. And then I had like a phoenix feather or something like that. And I was like, I haven't died in 20 hours, so I might as well use it. Instead of waiting four minutes or whatever you have to do. Right. And, but you basically just kind of like face roll potion attack sequence that you found works really good for your character. And just hit all the cooldowns as ad nauseum until you get through something and then move on, right? And then just maybe not drag the whole ire of the entire dungeon on top of you while you're doing it. Mm. Let the your teammates... I do like the matching system. It feels like it's telling you kind of where to go, and it's easy. You don't even have to be on Ventrilo or... Well, no. Ventrilo or Discord or whatever. Ventrilo, holy crap. Like, I had a little bit of, like, flashbacks to playing World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft was genuinely a much harder game. Um, at least it used to be. Well, yeah, because if you overpulled and stuff, you you died. It was, you wiped the whole party. Yeah, you. Yeah, there so. was a lot more coordination going on, so it required a lot more communication. But this is literally like take three DPS to or four DPS to dungeon and face roll it, and then just make sure you watch out for telegraphed attacks, and then get loot pinata. Yeah, and then the loot pinata doesn't matter because it's just a whole bunch of stat sticks. And then I never really care. All I do is look for the up arrows in blue. Exactly. And then I deconstruct all the other bullshit that I just got. And then it looks a little bit different. I'm thinking, you know, looking at the initial character models, like the gear starts to look real cool at some point. But, like, I just kept finding myself only being drawn to the dungeon missions. Mm -hmm. Because the only ones that had a little bit of challenge and engaged me and made me actually sit and pay attention instead of just listen to podcasts while I click things with my hands? It's it's a 10 to 15 minute quest that actually has meat to it. Whereas the rest of the, uh, the, the rest of the everything, literally the rest of everything is just, you know, five minutes. And the tutorial, if that's what they're calling it to get to level 50, <laughs> is just not that engaging and i'm starting to lose my way because it's so much of that till i get there and then when you do get to 50 what happens rusty oh my gosh once you get to 50 you start to uh you start to realize that what little there was in this uh in the story going up to 50 and that experience of going up to 50 was better than what you have to do at 50 uh so so this is (laughs) So this is what my experience was, is I got, uh, I got to, uh, the place called Vern Castle. Um, I got to 50, uh, which is the soft cap. It's not the hard cap. It's the soft cap. Yeah. The hard cap's 60, right? The hard cap is 60, but it takes you months to get to 60 because, uh, as soon as you hit 50, it requires like three or four fucking million experience. Whereas all the other levels were like, you know, get a hundred K. You know, <laughs> and and you get another level. Um, I'm guessing you're not questing nearly as much then, are you? Well, not in the same. Per- you're, you're going to get materials, right? So not in the same way as uh, as the leveling quest did. And so you're not getting a constant stream of XP. You're only getting XP when you're doing the dungeon clears, basically. Right. You don't get a whole lot of XP from doing anything. Like killing shit doesn't give you more than like maybe five or ten XP. Uh, at the you know at the max level, um, so you do, even if you kill five hundred monsters in a dungeon or a thousand monsters in a dungeon, you're talking about five thousand XP. Yeah, and and that's how that works. And then you complete the dungeon, and it gives you like a chunk of XP of like, you know, an arbitrary amount, not not anything Another that moves 10, that bar. 
not anything that moves that bar in any specific you know, in sig- any significant way. That's for damn sure. Um, but once you get to level fifty, um, you've you, the game basically just kind of drops you off and says, "Hey, you need to be uh, item level four sixty to continue the story." Uh, and then it gives you the uh, the item level progression loop. Uh, the progression loop is do a daily lockout chaos dungeon. Do uh, do you can do two of those per day per character. Uh, you do um, uh, guardian raids, which is basically kind of like a monster hunter experience in this game. You can't see the monster's health bar. They doesn't have any telegraphed attacks. But if it like raises a claw or does some you know some form of movement, you can kind of figure out what his next attack's gonna be. So you can you have to watch the monster. But just kind of interesting. And those those are a little fun. Um there's abyssal dungeons, which are basically like those dungeons, but they have mechanics that have like one shot mechanics, like white mechanics to them. So you have to you, you have to know what the mechanic is or figure that out uh, to be able to clear those dungeons. And those aren't those scratch that same itch where the dun, you know where dungeons are great and you wanted them a little bit harder. Abyssal dungeons is that, um, but that means that you kind of need people who know what the hell's going on and you can't just be a little pug you have to have a dedicated group of people you right, communicate with need to communicate with people because there's so one of the mechanics has uh has you uh each one of the uh so the boss will debuff a person um and they'll get a little debuff marker above their head and if they get five of those debuff markers they explode and it wipes the you know wipes the party so you have to cleanse the debuffs off of you. And there's only so many cleanse pools to be able to do that. So you know, you have to kind of work out who's going to go cleanse when and where because you can't, you know, because it's all around the arena. So then it's a DPS race too on top of that. Isn't it? And, and on top of that, the boss is trying to kill you, right? So uh, so there's, there's an, a couple things that it does – uh, to try to give you some content. But all of those things are either like daily lockouts or weekly lockouts. So you can only do so many of them. And what you get for doing those is you end up getting a set of gear. Um, you normally get a, a set of 302 item level gear. And that's the stuff that you uh, that you upgrade. And then you get accessories and you'll get upgrade materials. The accessories are basically like item drops from Diablo because they're, the game has a very you know, very complicated engraving system built into it. Yeah, there's so many additional systems on that game that actually make it not fun. Right. Well, the it's engraving system is basically all RNG, uh, but it is absolutely key to you know to get the right engravings and the right amounts. To be able to maximize the damage out for your character and be able to do certain things with, you know, like survivability and stuff like that. But at tier one, it's basically a crapshoot as to whether or not you're going to ever get any of your engravings to a point where it's going to be useful. 
So what I found was uh, you know, the the loop of upgrading your gear was initially okay, initially fine. But then after like the seventh upgrade of each one of your uh, each one of your pieces, the upgrade chance goes from a hundred percent to eighty percent. And from what I gather, as you go along, it keeps going down in percent to actually upgrade. So it's the loop to keep you playing forever. Right. So you lose all of your materials that you uh, that you pumped into that uh, into that upgrade attempt if it fails. It does have a you know a pity system where every time it fails, it gives you a better you know you know a better chance at the next roll. Um. So you can fail basically like three times before you get to a hundred percent at a certain level. But later levels, you could fail like eight times before it gives you a a, a, a guaranteed. Um, that is, <sighs> as soon as I started engaging with that system, I was not happy with it because it's full on RNG. Uh, there is no, um, you could get fucked hard on that system. Be, you know, with bad luck. Uh, and that is, that is not cool. Now, because you can only get so many of those upgrade materials, you know, from the daily stuff that you can do, it kind of forces you into rolling new characters, having alts, so that those other alts will, um, you know, those other alts will be able to get more of those upgrade materials and you can kind of funnel them into your character. Well, that just tends, uh, turns into a daily mill at that point because now you've got like five alts, you're doing two chaos dungeons, two guardian raids, two, you know, uh, an abyssal dungeon, a cube run maybe, uh, some tower runs, and then you've got your daily quests for each one of the characters, three uh, three daily quests per character, uh, and, you know, three weekly quests per character. Uh, yeah. So and, basically and you're just doing daily tour chores every time. And if you guys could see me on, on video, I'm just basically yawning at this point because I'm realizing that sounds like such a waste of time. It is, it is a massive, massive just waste of time. It does not respect your time at all. Um, it wants you to continually go through this machine. Uh, so I played it. I played through this. I got to item level 460. Uh, so force, you know, item level 460 allows you to continue the story. It's like, oh my God, here you go. And it was blissful that I was out of that grind and into a bit of story. Even if the story sucked, I was like, let me back at it. Was because it like a cut scene and then it threw you right back into the grind? It was like you got a whole other continent to do. So you've got a whole other set of quests that you can do on that continent. And then, you know, off to the races you go. Um, but as soon as you're done with that continent, it says, now you need to have item level 800. Uh, and I'm oh. like. So did you put it down? At that point, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Fuck this shit. I'm done. Uh I will say that the uh, the island 
exploration that you can do can be fun, but also is a double-edged sword because it's more of the, you know, more shallow quests that just basically send you from point A to point B, back to point C to, you know, to point D, then point A, then to, to B. And it sends you all over the fucking place. Uh, it says you can't finish most of these quests on the same island. You have to go to multiple different islands, multiple different fucking uh, continents, talk to random fucking people, and then go back to that fucking island. And by the way, that shit isn't like most of the time. It's not, you know, just teleport. You have to get on a fucking boat and actually sail there, which takes like five to ten minutes of you just sitting there watching your boat going from nope. point to point A to point B. So it's not it's, really engaging gameplay. Yeah, and I'd get kind of bored, and me and you finally kind of got on Discord to kind of talk about it. And when you started explaining all this stuff, I haven't uninstalled it yet, but I'm about there. I think I don't think that it, that's going to respect my time in a way that I want it to. No. And I've got other things that are more engaging to play. So it's just the thing is, is that it does look pretty. It does look good. Um, the the combat, if you just take just the combat uh, and you were able to amp it up a little bit in difficulty, I'd say, um, the combat's, you know, fine. Well, it has potential, but I'm not holding my breath because it's been like this already for like three years. Right. The, the, only, the only thing that really makes you know, ARPG combat difficult is when you start taking large spikes of damage. And that's what I've noticed through all of the ARPGs. Not saying that this is an ARPG, but it's very ARPG-like in the way that it does things. I don't mind, like, bosses with telegraphed attacks and shit like that with health bars and boss mechanics. Like, those are all cool. That's the whole reason I like playing Diablo or... That's fine. Fucking uh, Path of Exile or those types of games. But I think those types of games... I know they're not an MMO, but they do that part that Lost Ark does better. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it's not quite as flashy. Yeah. See, Lost Ark definitely has the uh, that Asian feel to it. It has the Korean feel to it where everything is just a tiny bit quiet. Um yeah, when I got to the island of the, all the fucking elves, I just was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I've upped my tolerance a little bit because I'm trying to be open-minded about stuff. And when they wanted me to sing me the song, I was like, I have to, uh, I just turned the volume down. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just powered through it. But it was so dumb. And, and there's, there's just, there's, Lost Ark essentially is, just like you said, it's a, it's a huge ocean of ankle deep content and it just doesn't respect your time. And it's to me like there's a whole lot right and a whole lot wrong with that game. And it just kind of underpins a lot of things that I don't like about MMOs. And if that's your jam, then that's your jam. But for me, it's like a solid, it's a three because the combat looks cool in the, um, I mean, the combat looks cool. That's that's we're getting. That's all you get is the combat looks cool. You can't say anything about the story. You can't really say anything about like 
the end game progression sucks balls. I'll tell you that right well, now. Well, and it just it's not hard um, enough. It's it's two. It's just two it, babies' first MMO. Well, until it gets to the hard shit, and then it. But it wants me to spend thirty hours getting to that point to yeah. grind my fucking gears off. And if I'm gonna do a grindy ass game, I'd much rather play something like Warframe. Well, either Warframe or fucking like you know Path of Exile or yeah, something. I, some, I mean. You know that it's going to be looking, RNG. If you wanted to scratch your your ARPG itch, you'd be much better served with Path of Exile. Yeah. Um, much, much better served with that. That's probably the top one right now. Yeah. I mean, I like my I like my ARPGs and I can I can play a few of them, but the um this one just for me, I immediately had to uh to uh to look at Lost Ark and compare it to the previous MMO I was playing, Final Fantasy XIV. And this is what bro, you know, this is what actually uh, made me decide to stop playing this game. As I am cooking dinner or whatever, I will throw on YouTube. Uh, that's that's just because I'm gonna have something in the background, right? Uh, and on uh, YouTube autoplay. Uh, I was watching uh, or I was listening basically to somebody playing through the, you know, the final uh, bits of the story for Endwalker for Final Fantasy XIV. Um, and it was like an hour long video and I'm like, perfect. This is going to be, you know, going while I'm cooking. Right. But what I got from it was, you know, a reminder of how that story is told. And how deeply impactful that story can be, uh, you know, to, you know, to your character's identity, to the world that they built, to, you know, to um, all of those, you know, all of the events that's happening. The fact that I can actively remember the people, the, the characters, the setting, the, you know, the event that happened there as clear as day. You know, I can remember that and that, uh, and it has an impact. It has an emotional impact, you know, you know, to me. And then I compared that to what I had with, you know, with Lost Ark and it was like, oh my God, <laughs> this, there is a, there is a massive sea of difference between these two games. Uh, and I mean, sure, I'm not necessarily, you know, playing Final Fantasy 14, like, as religiously as I was a, about a month and a half ago, but I've also completed all the stuff that I want to do. And the game director for Final Fantasy 14 is like, you know, take breaks, play other games, you know, he, you know, the game is, that game is built around respecting your time. You know, you can put a lot of hours into that game and I have, but you can also just like not play it for a while and come back to it. And you're not going to be like super behind in progression because everything gets, you know, everything has a, a progression catch up mechanic to it. So you can get back up to where your buddies are who have been playing this entire time, you know, if you want to take a couple month break. And that's perfectly fine. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm playing, you know, I'm playing other games right now because I wanted to see 
you know, and compare some of these things. Now, I'll tell you right now, the $100 I spent for Lost Ark, I feel like that is a complete waste of money. I I spent for the uh, for the platinum ba- uh, platinum founders pack. I feel like that is a complete fucking waste of money. I got, you know. Uh, uh, th- I feel like I've done a pretty good job of not saying I told you so, but I just said it. Uh, I mean, yeah, you did, but <laughs> uh, but from what you get in the game, you know what you got from the story quests and the side missions and shit like that. You end up getting like a bunch of the uh, like the battle item chests. And shit like that from the side quests to the point where you're just throwing them in the fucking bank because you don't necessarily need the potions. Not right now, anyway. But you end up getting that from the, uh, you know, from the, uh, the you know, the, flat, uh, the founders pack. And I just threw those into the bank because I didn't need them either. Um, you get a mount. A couple skins, uh, a new background for the, you know, for the splash screen that you see for five seconds as you uh, select your first character. Uh, And, um, you know, and a pet, which you end up getting, you know, pets while you play the game. And you can even turn them fuckers off so that you don't ever have to see your fucking little white bunny. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I think, I mean... It you know the character expansion slot is supposedly like fifteen bucks, but again you need to be like super invested into creating a bunch of fucking alts and playing those fucking alts every single fucking day to uh, you know to really take advantage of it. Uh, so yeah, there's there's not very much value in there you know for me. Um, sure the skins look cool, but everybody that bought that pack looks exactly the same. There's no way to change how that looks. So yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, if I had to, if I had to guess, if I had to rate Lost Ark, I would rate it even lower than you. Well, it's because you dumped a bunch of money into it. Well, I would rate it lower than you just based off of the fact that a, you know, sure, I I put some money into it, and if I ever do come back to that game, sure, though you know that skin's still gonna be there, that you know, and and those crystals aren't gonna go away, but um, the uh, I I would have to rate it like just solid middle of the road, two point five, like middle of the fucking road. It's if you had literally no other game to play. This could take up some of your time, but if you have any other game, any other game that you could play that you would get any enjoyment out of, it's worth your time to play that game instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which leads me back to what I was playing, and I ended up diving back into Dying Light 2. Yeah. Um, I'm at about 60 hours into that right now. I don't think it's going to be a 500-hour game. I could see how you could do it because there's a lot of repeatable events that you can do. Yeah. Um, and I think those will probably open up after I finish the game again. But the 500 hours was kind of a, you know, kind Marketing. of a joke. Yeah. yeah. They immediately came out and said that it was not actually five hour, 500 hours long. I think if I mainline the story, I could probably... Well, I take that. I don't know for sure because it just... I'll, I'll explain. 
I got to a point in the game where I'd just gotten done with a pretty intense moment, and I got to a door that I could enter, and the game gave me a warning of, the game world's going to change irreversibly. You might finish your other shit, essentially. If you got anything outstanding, do it right now. Okay. So it, it respected me in that way, which I'm glad that games are doing that nowadays with RPGs, and gave me the option of putting that off till later. So I did exactly that. And then I went back to doing some of the other missions and discovered some missions that I hadn't done, right? I finished some of the parkour challenges. Um, and now I'm just unlocking whole areas that I hadn't even messed with yet. So I feel like I probably have another little bit before I dive back into that section. The The game forces you into decisions and doesn't let you have just a basic safe spot. It just auto-saves wherever you're at, or if you're, like, in the middle of a fight and you quit the game, it'll put you back to the start of that area. Um, okay. But it just saves all the fucking time. So when you make big decisions, like, you kind of have to stick with it. You can't save scum it. Yeah. So, but it, uh... There's some pretty stark differences between a couple of the factions... And I've played kind of middle-of-the-road guy, but there's been some pretty stark changes to my map and some of the things that I've got access to. Um, it's kind of showing Rusty like a pretty leveled part of town. I won't explain what happened there, but like it changes that part of town quite a bit um, just from an event that happened in the story, which is kind of cool. Um, the story's pretty engaging. The voice acting's actually pretty good. I wouldn't put it like Oscar level, but like it's... It's pretty good. The side quests are pretty interesting. A lot of the night events are pretty interesting. Night is way easier to overcome than it was in the other game. Um, once you get a bow, and you do get a bow, um, night isn't as fast as day because you can only see so far in front of you, and you're going to jump and just miss and face plant somewhere. Because <laughs> yeah, um, night is black. It's it's Yeah, there's lights out in the streets from different people. Right. But... They're kind of few and far between, and it wants you to turn your flashlight on. I guess quick tip that you should have discovered by now if you're playing it. The zombies don't ref won't react to light except for the special, and the special only when you're at eye level. You can literally be a, right above the specials on a street lamp with your light on, and they won't see you unless you, like, start dancing on top of that light pole or something. <laughs> so you basically can snipe them. You won't be able to snipe them until you get a bow, but you do get a bow. And then at a certain point, you get a crossbow, um, and the crossbow hits like a truck, and it has a magazine. Oh, yeah, because fuck yeah. So it's basically like having a gun. Um, Without having a gun, because you wouldn't want to have a gun in this game. No, it does the same, follows the same rules as the last game, right? You fire a gun, like it attracts a lot of special. But honestly, most of the special that it attracts, except if you're indoors, you can attract volatiles indoors. And the volatiles, I still have a lot of trouble with. Uh, the volatiles were the dudes with their faces split open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they move extra fucking fast. Like, you can't fucking outrun them, or you can barely outrun them. So, like, if you get snug, snagged on a corner or something like that, like, you're just, like, a ball hair faster than they are. So you can technically outrun them, but, like, it's going to take you dropping, like, UV lights behind you and all sorts of shit. Like, it's a pull out your whole bag of tricks to get ahead of them um, and then start paragliding i remember the first game you know it introduces you to those night missions by having you go pick up the medicine at night there there was a drop there was a medicine drop at night uh and you had to go pick it up 
you essentially just have to run the entire time. Right. And you get the medicine and then the fucking volatiles come out and they start fucking hunting your ass and you have to run back to a safe zone as fast as fucking possible. Um, so I imagine that's, it's that only amped up in this game, right? Yeah, but that's, so the, the big key differences between this and the last game is the volatiles are always roaming the rooftops at night. There's not hardly anything on the rooftops at night with this game. So there's not, the volatiles are typically all indoors. Okay. Um, and there'll be these areas that are called dark zones. And in the day, the volatiles are hanging out there along with like, I don't know. 30 or 40 infected plus specials plus recently infected, like a whole fucking room of huddling creatures that are just there to eat your face. Oh, okay. So you don't go there during the day. You go there at night and then it thins them way out. And so there might be a couple of specials. There might be one volatile that you need to avoid um, versus like having five in a room. So it wants you to not just try to Molotov all of that shit down. And like I've, I've actually cleared the dark zones in the day just to see what it would take. And it's like a whole arsenal of Molotovs and C4 and fucking mines and all sorts of shit. Jesus. Um, and it just like blows through all your resources and then it's not worth it. But the dark zones typically have good gear. Um, it's where you get your level ups typically. It's where you get stuff to sell for lots of cash to buy better weapon upgrades. Okay. Um, and then the specials that you kill in there, you collect parts from them that help you with upgrading some of your add-ons for your weapons. Um, but overall, like the side mission stuff's fun. The challenges are pretty fun. I do like zipping around the city. There are still a couple of bugs. You have to unlock these windmills that uh, provide a safe space plus a place for you to go between the night and day cycles, essentially. Right. Your stash and usually have a trader there. Um, but they're not fast travel points. It's just a, a spot to kind of rest and recoup. This is a safe zone. Yeah. Safe zones. Um, there's a couple of windmills that are kind of bugged out. And then I had to like really, uh, use some game fuckery to get on top. So one of them, you're just, they, the devs know about it. They've been patching the fuck out of this game since it released. But like one of them, essentially you have to like Spider-Man your way over there from a building like hundred meters away to get to it. And then you finally, you've got all the stamina upgrades like, or most of the stamina upgrades like I do. It's doable. It was just a pain in the ass. And it took me about 20 minutes to get up to the, unlock the fucking windmill. And then another one, I had to like take this weird roundabout route, like paragliding from the top of a building to get to the top because the, the grip mechanic for part of the puzzle doesn't work quite right. And when you try to jump from like the second part of it, it just drops you. And then I was like, why am I fucking this up? And I looked up that particular windmill, and it's like, how to get around this bug? And I was like, oh, it's just not me. Oh, it's just a bug. It's a, literally a bug that this thing has you grip like a foot higher than the bar, and it's you're grabbing on nothing, and you don't really move. And then you try to swing to the next bar, and you fuck up and die. Or not die. Those all have, like, trash underneath it, so you can fall f- safely. But, um, yeah, I wasted a bunch of time on one of them until I figured out it was a bug. But the... Uh, Combat's not overly complicated. It's just satisfying. I really like dismembering shit or using a fucking hammer or baseball back to knock something way the fuck off. There is a... Uh, I'm not going to pull that. Some of the side items are really fucking cool, too. Another tip, too, is if you get the ranger armor, it upgrades the damage of all your thrown items plus your bows. So, And there's all sorts of like Rambo-type crafted arrows. Like you got fucking grenade arrows and 
bark arrows that arc out towards the other infected and then fucking acid arrows. You got an infection arrow. I should have showed you that. Literally shoot a guy and he turns into a special infected and starts fucking up the other dudes. It's really fucking cool. Uh. Um, the transformation happens pretty quick. Um, Damn. But, yeah, like, uh, the only drawbacks of Dying Light is it's been a little bit hinky on performance here and there, as they've been patching the fuck out of it. Yeah. Um, the graphics, if you're not running ray tracing, look a little bit dated, because they rely on the ray tracing to really set the mood in certain areas. Right. The the darks and the flashlight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you turn the flashlight off inside a building, it's black. Like, yeah. It's black. Like it's, there's, there's it's no turned, light. It turned off like portions of my TV. Like it's that dark. Right. And then you turn the flashlight on and then the flashlight's all ray traced. So it's like, you know, everything. It's It creates ambient light around you too. Right. Because it's ray traced. And I've done it without the ambient light. And it's just like a spot like old, like old school doom, which oh. looks all right. Yeah, but, but, but I, the ray traced flashlight to me feels kind of essential. Because, you, you know, if you... If you're shining flashlights on a uh, on a reflective surface, it's going to reflect that light onto a, you know, onto a wall. Basically, if you if you ever been in a dark room, turn a flashlight on and point it at a white wall, you can see around you, like not where just where the point uh, flashlight's pointing. It's because that light is bouncing off of the you know off of the white wall and so the whole reason why they don't tell you to paint your walls black because it diffuses all the light and it gets really dark. Right. Exactly. Like, so. You have to have like five times the light bulbs in a black. I I wanted a full black room when I was a kid. Yeah. So that... and then my mom really talked me out of it. We painted the inside of my closet black, and then we put a light bulb in there. And she's like, "All right, so we did the closet. Do you see how much light you need now?" And she's like, "It's going to be depressing as as hell in here." Yeah. We're not doing all black. You Aww. can have your closet all black. I I'd be perfect with a dark gray, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, the I look around the fucking you know the the studio room and we've got black blankets up on the fucking walls. But we didn't paint the ceiling, thank right. God. <laughs> um, and we do have some light colors in here that help bounce around the light. Right. But um, anyways, like dying light, I'll fully rate this probably by the end of next week because I have a goal of beating it before Elden Ring comes out. Okay. Yep. Um, that comes out next week, right? Thursday. Oh, shit. But I've got about 30 hours of game time I can put in between now and then if I hustle. Oh, boy. So I'm probably not going to play Elden Ring right away, so I'm going to let well, you do that. That'll be my jam. Okay. But the, uh, yeah, like long story short, Elden Ring, or Elden Ring, uh, Dying Light 2 is like a solid four and a quarter for me right now. Mm. I've had a lot of fucking fun with it. Um a little bit grindy in spots, a little bit pointless in doing all the activities, but not to the point of Saints Row the fourth. Um, okay. Like, I genuinely like the little script, not scripted, but just boss battle you got to do in the dark zones or um, all the running. Or there's been some really fucking tense moments. The story missions are really fucking long. Like, in the order of like an hour or two every time you do a story mission. Huh. Okay. Um, sometimes they'll checkpoint it by giving you different steps to do, but... Single story mission is really fucking long. Um, seems like there's a good point for what you're doing. Like, I've just, I've had a good time with it. I haven't had a good time like this in a game in a while. It's exactly scratched that Skyrim itch, kind of. Okay. Okay. Without those types of radiant quests. Like, there is no radiant quests. They've got all the scripted side quests. They're all fully voiced. Mm-hmm. It's 
the closest thing they have to a radiant quest are the challenges, and it's just parkour challenges and combat challenges. You can repeat them to get extra XP or get a higher medal, which will give you more combat or parkour XP depending on what you're doing. Right. And they're really very still scripted on like what they want you to do and what the parameters are. Like it removes most of the zombies for the parkour challenge. Okay. Uh, because it's wanting you to go to specific points and whatever, right? And the combat challenges are like fucking crazy, ridiculous, stupid. Like yeah. give you a cricket bat that will knock things back like 40 feet. And the goal is to knock zombies out of the ring or specials out of the ring as they're charging you. Oh, so. And so you're on top of a rooftop, like batting zombies, <laughs> like knocking them back like 50 feet. So you kind of got to angle it and then hit them to try to get them to not. Because they got all sorts of obstacles for you to shoot around, basically. And the way that you beat the challenge is by how many of those you can get within a certain time limit. So, so, oh, my God. So they make little mini games out of the dead. Gotcha. Yeah, it's some pretty crazy, stupid, goofy shit that okay. is video gamey as fuck, and I'm all about it. Okay. Um, yeah, one of them was to use a certain side side weapon to uh, knock them into spikes, basically. I won't say what the side weapon is, because it's a really fucking cool side weapon. Okay. But, yeah, you gotta use the side weapon to uh, knock them into spikes um, as they're charging you, and it gets really fucking ridiculous. Okay. No, uh, do they have something very similar with uh, with the first one? I'm not sure. I, they, I can't remember. After its initial release, the first one got pretty fucking gamey. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of video gameness to it, which is why a lot of people started to really gravitate towards it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's... They know what they're doing. Yeah. And it, 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 I mean, that's fine. That's that's fine. The, I, I have to get over the fact that it's fucking zombies again, because... God oh, I played. Damn it! I played thirty hours, only leveling up my combat XP to like five, and then leveling up my parkour XP to like. Well, now I'm at like at that point I got it all the way up to ten before I started leveling combat XP, because I wasn't doing like there is definitely combat in this game, right? But for a big portion of the game, like you can sneak attack the dead because they don't detect you that much in the buildings and after you get really good sneak gear you just walk around like fucking slamming their heads into walls or fucking stabbing them like you were seeing me do okay and you just get to the objective and do the things and you get back out and you got like one boss monster to fight in there and that's what you spend all your side items and stamina on and then you zip back out to go do the next thing okay well i i, I will probably yeah, i told myself i told you that i was gonna do it uh, this be like the one zombie game that that I will play probably. Um, I will get through all of my other games first and see if this actually like shows up on a well, sale if, someplace. But before we go to break, we do have one game that you picked up that you can at least give an initial impression on. Oh so yeah, you picked up what? I picked up uh, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, and I've been putting. Uh, so the game came out what? two days ago two days ago right i put a lot of fucking time into it um so uh, you're like already 20 hours in um probably uh i've played a you know played it a, so a you're fairly probably decent about a amount. third of the way through the game i don't know i can't really say for sure uh because the uh because horizon forbidden west is you know is just as much of an exploration style game as the first one was yeah, um, and I can tell you that 
you know, I've unlocked one tall neck, which basically opens up the map for that area. Yeah, because you got to climb them to survey the area or something, right? right? You know, every game's got to climb something to survey. Well, you climb the tall neck and you override it, and it gives you, uh, it gives you all the, uh, the the major like points of interest to go to, uh, and kind of takes the cloud tops away, but give, you know, still has that fog of war, so that you can kind of see the terrain, but not necessarily know what's going on there. Um, so I've done that and I've done a little bit of, uh, done a decent amount of exploration. Um, there is a main, you know, a, an area just like the first game, it gives you like that, that, uh, the Nora Valley that, it, you know, that you kind of the starter zone, yeah, you know, this little starter zone that you go through and it, and you can spend a lot of fucking time in that spot, you know, in that area, just going around and exploring shit and fucking like, you know, killing them, you know, the, uh, mechanical dinos. Um, the, um, the, the thing about this game, I want to get this out of the way. It's beautiful. I keep hearing that. Holy fuck. Is this game? I know. Just detailed as piss, dude. It is fucking beautiful. Matt said it felt like it was really pushing the PS5. It it really does. Like to the point where I've, seen frame rate issues on the ps5 for the first time ever um and i'm not playing it in i'm not playing it in fucking beautiful mode i'm playing it in performance mode and i was getting frame rate issues uh to the point where i had to reboot the ps5 (laughs) um because every time i saw a uh every time i saw a machine it would drop down to like 15 frames a second (laughs) oh jesus yeah from 60 it was just like just fucking bog right down i think there's some kind of graphical issue and and stuff like it was released 48 hours ago right not so yeah there's probably some patches that'll come through to you know to fix some of these things i've seen some uh some odd animations uh and a couple missing bits in the uh, in the map like i could there was one cave that i saw uh, that you could kind of see through the rocks and see into the oblivion behind it. Um, but outside of, outside of some very minor, uh, what I would consider minor issues, um, this, this game looks beautiful. Like it looks, it looks great, dude. (laughs) It's just, uh, all of the textures are really fucking detailed. Uh, the, uh, the environments, uh, they meld together in such a way that you can't really even tell that you're, you know, you can barely tell that you're going from a lush area to a more arid area because it blends the environment so well. Um, so you're just going down the road and you're like, oh my God, this, this is, uh, you know, this has changed in such a way. Uh, that you can tell that you're in a completely different area biome stuff. Um, I assume too, like it's an ex- extremely triple A game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's uh, wouldn't absorbed in what I was doing. I would probably pick it up. I just the I think I'm gonna try to get a little further in some other things first. The music is great. It has really good stingers. It has uh, it it has that. 
uh, a, a meld between some kind of, you know, a primitive, you know, <clears throat> you know, primitive sound, but with synth wave behind it. Um, so you can kind of, you, you can kind of get the, you know, how the, you know, the, uh, the story kind of meshes between how primitive the, you know, the people are and the fact that they're going up against technological machines, uh, in, in this world, it's reflected well in the, uh, in the music and the sound effects. Um, the combat's challenging, uh, to, a you know, to a point where I'm using my healing items a lot. Uh, it's not, it's not face roll. It's definitely, it requires some strategy to get certain parts because you have, you know, just like in the first game, you have to knock off certain parts, uh, and tear them off of the enemy, uh, so that you can use them for upgrades. Uh, and some of them, some of the, uh, the, uh, parts are hidden, like in the monster. So there's, there's one kind of monster out or one kind of machine uh that looks kind of like a hippo um and one of the upgrade materials that you need is the hippo's tusk and of course those tusks are folded in inside its mouth uh and the only way that you can actually hit them tusks is when he opens his mouth for a f- very specific attack and those tusks fold out. Uh, those tusks are basically drill bits. Um, so you have to wait for this attack and then use your concentration, you know, your slow down time while you're looking at arrow, uh, looking down your arrows uh, just to be able to break off one of those tusks. It's really difficult. Um, because those, that attack doesn't happen very often and you have to be in the right spot. And of course you have to dodge out of the way if it's a different attack and it's about, you know, it, it takes some strategy to actually get some of those parts, um, which I love. I mean, that's, that should, you know, that's just my jam. I just, when you're, uh, when you're fighting four of them and you're trying to get the tusk out of one of them. You've got four different attacks that you have to dodge. <laughs> That's when it starts getting fucking crazy because there's no pulling a single one out of the pack. They all attack you. And it's kind of crazy when that, you know, in those combat situations, you're trying to whittle down as many of them as possible so that you can get the parts out of one of them. You know, it's pretty crazy. Um, I will tell you. All of the side quests and all of the main quests are voiced. All of them are voiced really well um, to the point where all this just going into a settlement feels like the settlement's alive. Like everybody's doing a thing uh, and there'll be people like walking down, you know, one of the paths or one of the streets carrying shit. Uh, and they'll trip over something and they'll fall and they'll fucking curse at it and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's one of the areas that you go to the, at the very beginning, it's, uh, you know, like a, a vendor for, uh, for hunter tools, like weapons and shit. Uh, and there is a chick that's right next to this vendor 
uh, just happens to be a blacksmith, and uh, and she is wanting to get her hammer repaired. Her lucky hammer needs to be repaired, but the you know the vendor is giving me preference because I you know basically opened up shop again. Uh, and she gets kind of like uppity about it. And he just says, well, stop breaking your uh, lucky hammer and it wouldn't need to be fixed. And it, the, it's back and forth banter between, uh, these, um, uh, between these characters that just adds an extra level of, you know, of believability. Some, you know, to the fact that that whole area is alive. Um, the other thing is you get into conversations with people because, I mean, that's that's part of the game. The conversations look all mo-capped. They look like they, look like they just digitized people and put them in there. The lip sync that's, is spot on. That's pretty crazy. The lip sync is spot on. There is a point, okay, <laughs> there is a point where one of the dudes says that the ale in the, in the bar is, you know, is ass. He, he says it's just terrible, right? Later on, you go back, you finish the quest, and he picks up the uh, mug of ale in celebration, takes a big swig of it, and you can you can see his face just like crunch in. Like if you took the biggest swig of the fucking most skunk pissed fucking you know beer that you could possibly taste, that like. That look of disgust that you get in your, you know, on your face as you're just choking it down, um, that was that was on the character's face. Like I could, I could see that. That was really cool to me. Like they were able to make that happen, <laughs> you so, know. And it didn't look, it didn't look super fake. It just looked, it, it looked genuine. Like he forgot that this ale is ass. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, to, to say that I was, I'm impressed with the, you know, the facial feature systems and the conversation systems is, you know, is, is an understatement. It's really good. So obviously you're enjoying your time with it so far. I am really enjoying my time with it. Like, I, I, I think it's probably one of the most detailed games I've played ever. And like I took, I took, um, a moment to, uh, to think about like my time with you know, playing ghosts, ghost of Tsushima, which is a really detailed game. The game is pretty right. Lip sync on that was really good too. You know, it's crazy about, so here's something crazy. You may or may not know. I was trying to look it up to make sure it was right. So you can you believe that Horizon is the same people that make Killzone? Damn. <laughs> like super step their game up. Right. Yeah. Damn. Um Killzone one, two, three, and basically four. Damn. That's that's pretty crazy. But yeah, uh they they definitely stepped up their game because holy balls. Um Yeah, the but the comparison between ghosts and uh, and uh Horizon Forbidden West, as far as the facial features is concerned, like I think Horizon does it better, uh, and there's even more detail in that game than Ghost had. You yeah, know, Ghost, Ghost just has a really good color palette. No, Ghost had a beautiful color palette. Holy crap! Did that have it had the right? You know, it just had everything right. Um, 
you know, uh, Horizon, I've only basically, I, I want to say that I'm just, just barely starting into the finger quotes Forbidden West. You don't actually get into the Forbidden West until probably like maybe 10 or 15 hours into the game. Yeah, I've heard just looking at length of game that it looked like you could mainline the game in about 35 hours, but it feels like there's a lot of regular other content that you would do besides just the main content. Right. You know, the main story quests will have you go from point A to point B, and you're probably not going to have all of the items that you're going to need. I think I could have, just like Dying Light, right? Like, I could have gotten to the point that I'm at in the game right now in probably about 30 hours. Yeah, but... When you're when you're looking I, at, I don't like playing games like that. No, but yeah. So both both Dying Light and Horizons gonna have you know has a very similar feature, right? You're going from if you go from point A to point B, you're passing about fifty fucking things on the, along the way that are just like saying, "Hey, come you know come visit me, go do this thing," right? Uh, with you know with Horizon, it's Going and doing the cauldrons so that you can override new uh, new um, uh, machines. Uh, visiting the tall necks, going to the uh, you know, going and doing the puzzles for the you know the old ruins. Um, you know, trying to find new weapons uh, and you know armor weave stuff so that you can you know you can do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, all of the side quests that you can pick up in the game give you skill points. So you don't get skill points just for leveling up. You get skill points for doing quests too. So, you know, doing those side quests is beneficial so that you can actually amp up your, you know, uh, amp up your abilities. The skill tree in this game is much bigger than the original game. Uh, So you can kind of, you know, you can't really fuck up a build per se, but you can kind of get more powerful early on and be able to do more things with, uh, you know, you know, in combat, which makes combat easier. Um, like I'm, I'm having some troubles with, uh, you know, with, you know, staying away from certain machines. And one of the combat abilities allows you to, you know, hit somebody with your spear, kind of latch onto them. And then you can like you jump up and kick off of them, and you end up leaping backwards in a vault in in mid air, so that you can pull out your bow and shoot as you're falling backwards. It's it's kind of a, a, a an actiony style move, but it gives you distance and the ability to actually hit somebody, you know, something as you're getting away from it, um, which is kind of key with some of these fucking monsters because god damn there's there's a raptor <laughs> one of the fucking you know one of the machines is actually a fucking velociraptor and it it wants to fucking eat you <laughs> it sounds like i'm gonna have to get this at some point i'm just again i have my focus elsewhere for the time being and i i've made a commitment to try to get through stuff before i jump into other things and lost ark i knew where my Stopping point was, which is about where I'm at right now. Right. Because there's other really great things out there. And I've already met my goals of beating fucking Demon Souls before Elden Ring came out. And I believe I will meet my goal of beating Dying Light before that comes out either as well. Yeah. Uh, and I've got Demon Souls to play. I've got Returnal I haven't even touched yet. 
Um, and you got Horizon, so like, and I've got, got Horizon. I've got plenty of game. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy is going to get an update sometime soon, uh, but it's probably not going to be you until. Got a, even if you like hardcore game, you've got a month worth of game at least. Oh, at least, yeah. I've got probably the entirety of March to you know to get through most of these games. Um, so yeah, there's lots of fucking game right now, and I mean, I'm pretty sure we're missing one. I don't. Oh, Warhammer. Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I installed it, and I played through part of the tutorial, and so far it seems cool, but I don't have enough to say definitively one way or the other. It feels like at least the prologue is showing me more about what to do in the game yeah. versus two, and I think two relied on you playing a lot of one, and I never played one for the, uh, what is that called, Total War series? Right, right. Because Total War used to just be historical stuff, and then they adopted the Warhammer franchise and did the same kind of thing. Um, but the Warhammer stuff actually sold gangbusters because because, because it's Warhammer, exactly it's exactly like Warhammer, right? Because Warhammer and uh, Total War definitely go hand in hand. <laughs> like yeah, and it it the controls are well tuned. It runs really well. Has lots of different modes of things that you can do to make sure that it runs at a solid clip. Um, and it has some story to it too, and that seems that's well voice acted. Um, and well-driven so far and has really helped me understand some maneuvers already pretty quickly about flanking and how to set up my archers correctly and a bunch of other shit. So like, seems really cool, but like I'm, I'm going to hold off while I get through dying light. Like I figured if I beat dying light this weekend, which it doesn't seem like I'm going to, um, I was going to try to play total war before I got to Elden ring. And I don't think I'm going to get to it. I'm just, Trying to play stuff in order. Well, I'm trying to play stuff. I'm trying to play more uh, more stuff than just uh, just one MMO. I, I understand. Well, that. I'm glad you found video games again. Oh, other video well, games. I'll tell you. As soon as the new stuff comes out for Final Fantasy, I'm going to go back to it. But because um, I love that fucking game, it's just uh, I, I know that. You'd also don't want to miss out on some good stuff too, though. Yeah, I know that. Uh, that I mean, having a PS Five opens up a lot of doors, and and uh, and that is you know that's kind of key. There's a lot of you know PC games that are come out uh, going to come out this year that I want to get my hands on. So I think uh, I think I think that this year is going to be a much better year for games than last year was for sure. Yep. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Okay. All right. We'll be back. Pretty hefty game session for just being me and you. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's some pretty hefty games in there. I mean, a lot of those games have been looked forward to for years. I think so, yeah. I mean, I've had Dying Light on my wish list, I think, for two years. You know, Lost Ark has been on my fucking radar for at least a year and a half. Uh, Fucking, you know, Horizon Forbidden West has been on fucking radar for at least about as long. Well, and I was interested in how Dying Light's RPG elements were going to change after they removed Chris Avalon from the team. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. And it didn't shake out as heavy on the RPG side as I would have liked. 
but they still did a pretty decent job of salvaging it, making it a good game. I think right. it would have been, it could have sided more on the great side with him doing some of the design and writing for it. Possibly, yeah. Um, but still came out pretty good. Um, but we are in the news section. News. Um, just wanted to kind of throw out some things in the vein of dying light. Um, <laughs> Dead Island 2 is reportedly possibly in the works. Oh, my God. Is that even a project still? Holy crap. Well, because... Dead Island, essentially, after they did their DLC, turned into Dying Light, which was a change in focus for that game. Right, exactly. And some of the same developers moved into that. Right. Um, so Dead Island 2, if I remember correctly, this is the um, this this is the, uh, the trailer with the dude that was jogging down the, you know, the beach, right? Yeah, and they had the super sad song, and it had a really good trailer. Well. For regular Dead Island. Dead Island... And Dead Island does trailers really well. As we found from the first game, that game's trailer was great. The it's game a, itself is a, not it's, so great. It was decent. It wasn't as great as the trailer. That's for damn no, sure. No, and it wasn't as good as the game that came out after it. Dead, Dead Dying Light had a better premise with the parkour that really set it itself apart. Dead Island had the loot mechanic and a lot of the combat mechanics of Di- of uh Dying Light goes to Dead Games. Yeah. Um, it's just, it didn't set itself apart nearly as much. I actually rebought it on Xbox Live. Oh, yeah. Dick around with it. It's not bad. It's just definitely not Dying Light. No, uh, I didn't like it. Um, I actually fell off of it. I mean, this you, was you before. Typically, you typically hate zombie games, though. This was, a, uh, I think. Dead Island came out right as I was starting to get pretty jaded against, uh, you know, you got zombie fatigue, zombie fatigue. Yeah. Pretty, you know, pretty close to that. It was like, you know, I gave it a chance because I mean, it's a, it's a game like at that point I thought it was a game, you know, that would be, it would be a co-op game. At that point I was playing a lot of Xbox live. Um, and it just it just didn't click, uh, and well, the reason they're saying that it's even a possibility is it was hinted at that it's set for some quarter in twenty twenty three, and during the uh, one of their financial presentations, it appeared alongside Saints Row reboot, Payday three, Shadow Warrior three, and Crossfire Legion. So there's no actual date there, but they're saying that. If There's a hint that it might be sometime in 2023. Okay. So if it's coming out alongside all of those things, that's where they're inferring, right? Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're saying it's a, one of the projects that's highlighted, but nobody has been able to totally confirm that. So it's been on a slideshow and a presentation by Kosh Media. Um, one of the other things that I'm actually pretty interested in, because this game has all... The goods going forward, it just hasn't always hit. Um, Dragon Age is set to release in the next eighteen months. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. At this point, it's kind of a rumor, but. Um, but yeah, they they've had a lot of like staff changes and a lot of writing changes that have happened here. Hmm. Um, I believe. I'm not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> right. There's there's a somewhat controversial writer, Sam Maggs, that's been dropping off projects, and I think she was part of that as well. Ah, okay. Um, so I know for sure with uh, Knights of the Old Republic, 
remake. Mm-hmm. Um, she dropped off of that. Okay. So, and that was part of the, I believe that's part of the Bioware team. I think Knights so. Because Kotar was Bioware. Yeah. So it'd have to be Bioware. But for some reason or another, she quit. So look into that, if you will. But the, uh, I think that's changed the timeline on a few things that she was involved with. And it wouldn't surprise me if she was a main writer for Bioware if that didn't have an effect on Dragon Age 4. Yeah. Um, well, just wonder how Dragon Age 4 is going to, you know, play. Um, yeah, like Dragon Age 1, it goes 1, 3, 2 for me, with 3 being decent, but kind of like a jack-of-all-trades Dragon Age. Yeah. The story was... was pretty engaging, the characters are pretty decent, but the combat was just a little too easy. You could kind of button mash your way through that game unless you played it on hard and then it became a slog because it just turned everything into big meat bags that took a lot of hits to kill and it yeah. just wasn't as fun. Like There just wasn't any strategy to it. And two had good combat, but you spent all of your time in Kirkwood, I think is what it was called. It was just the one place and then you yeah. end up reusing went, fucking maps and shit. Yeah. They reused a lot of assets and it just... Dragon Age is full... The best story writing they ever did was in one and the best gameplay overall was one, even though it followed a more traditional formula. It, yeah, it folded and, like more of a, like a Baldur's Gate style. They could have blended it if your weapons and stats mattered more in, and you had more control over your party in 3. Yeah. So if they clean up the combat on it, I'll probably enjoy... I actually enjoyed the story, but the, the third one's combat was kind of lackluster, and that's the only reason I didn't like it. It's it's a solid four and a quarter. But. It was it was all right. I mean, I, I I got past, you know, I I beat that game, but uh, I beat Inquisition problem, like three times. But the thing is, is I don't remember. I don't remember the end of it. That's the thing. Uh, so for me, if it has a lasting effect on me, then uh, then obviously I'm going to remember, you know, the events of that game. It's it's kind of like the bastard stepchild RPG of Mass Effect. They did such a better job with the writing of Mass Effect. It's really it's just, and I really wanted it to be as good as Mass Effect. But in retrospect, when I'm grown up a little mm-hmm. since then, it it is kind of like the B tier Mass Effect. And I know it's blasphemy because you know it's probably one of the tattoos I would have as one of the ones. If I ever do finally get a tattoo, it'd be something from Dragon Age. But it's only because one is such a good game. Um. But anyways, because the one had these origin stories and yeah, it, it just, just had a better uh, it, it had a better like premise, nearly like Lord of the Rings or something. Like yeah, it was just fucking epic. But um, yeah, so Dragon Age Four rumored to be coming out um, in the next. Uh, well, I guess I put it somewhere late twenty twenty three. Okay with that? Yeah, I I want them to do it right. They they need to do a good job. It's, it seems to be that it's in in good shape and you know trucking along. So go for it. Yep. A um, couple other things I've just been kind of like watching. Um, so Cyberpunk got a new patch. I saw that. One point five supposed to fix a lot of the issues with performance and add a whole bunch of little things to the world. And then while they were talking about that, if you're still interested in Cyberpunk, go look at the patch details. Um, the director for that game and Witcher 3 um, announced a new studio and a new AAA game that was coming out in a AAA dark fantasy RPG. Dark so, fantasy. Ooh. Yeah, and this is an offshoot studio. 
So the director for Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk started his own studio. Okay. Aside from CD Projekt. Okay. That seems interesting. Yeah, they're called Rebel... I believe they're called Rebel Wolves. <laughs> Rebel Wolves? Yeah. Of course it, of course it would be. Um, but it's a lot of studio veterans from CD Projekt Red, which must be an actual pretty big hit for CD Projekt, to be honest with you. If Witcher 3 was a fantastic game, and Cyberpunk, if you had a machine that would run it, was a fantastic game. Eh, it was all right. I, I don't take the hit. I actually liked it a lot. I mean, it, it was all right. The game ran fine for me. I'm pretty sure it would run... You know, a lot better now that it's been patched a few times since I played it because I, I played it with the, uh, you know, with the launch pass patch. You know, I did too. Uh, and I remember it being, you know, it, it been it was fun to play, um, but I don't know. I just the the I guess the story didn't really blow my mind. Um, it, it would probably be worth a play. You know, now I want to see what they've changed. Uh, I also know that with the 1.5 patch, they also uh, released it for the next-gen consoles. So, um, you know, PS5 and the Xbox series will be able to, uh, you know, get their hands on uh, Cyberpunk if you haven't already been ruined on, the, you know, on the opinion for it. Well, I will say that Rebel Wolves is working on a, they said it's a first of a planned saga and it's a, Triple A dark fantasy built inside Unreal 5. It's going to be a small team. Okay. Which means it's probably going to take a while to come out. Um, there's not anything else other than an image that shows a dude fighting something that looks kind of like it might be a vampire of some sort. And he's got a spear. But, yeah, be on the lookout for uh, Rebel Wolves hmm. and what they put out. Okay. Um, I'm actually not real familiar with the actor because I don't know actors like some people do. Do you know who Walter Goggins is? No. <laughs> names, man. I am not the dude with names. That would be that would be Jason. Uh, I think he would have known. Walter Goggins, who 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 is? Who is this person? Um uh so he's been in a lot of shows. He's been in The Shield, Justify, Son of Anarchy, The Hateful Eight, and Django Unchained. Um, Walter Goggins. I'm looking up his IMDb right now. The So um, Amazon's I'm, he's going to be one of the lead characters in Amazon's Fallout series. Okay. It's being produced by Web's Westworld co-creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Um, okay. With Todd Howard on advisement um, as an executive producer. He'll be playing a character called Ghoul. <laughs> Which is probably a ghoul. Yeah. Um, and it's okay. said to be one of the main characters. So I'm... They've got a lot of money behind this. Okay. It could be cool. Um, uh, so Fallout... Uh, I, I love Fallout. Mm. I just hope it's good. <laughs> so anytime, anytime they go and make a, you know, a video game franchise... Uh, Can we name anything that's been good? So there's only been like one or two good things. So the Castlevania anime series is good. Um, I I would venture to say that I enjoyed The Witcher. The Witcher was fun. How am I fucking um, missing that? Yeah, two things so far. Um, man, I'm starting to, uh, and, and that's the thing. I mean, there's you that travesty to... that is the Resident Evil series or eh. the Doom series. 
the the Doom the, Resident Doom Evil was better than Doom. That's for damn sure. Um, it was literally filmed in first person. Yeah, like I almost felt like it was set to be a like a lost leader or something. Like it's bad. Uh, yeah, I um. Uh, I I can't really like off the top of my head. Of course, I am the worst person for this because names, things, video game movies, right? So, um, I honestly, there was what was uh, there's an Uncharted movie that just hit theaters. Uh, I have no idea how how good that oh, is. Oh yeah, that's going to be coming out, and I guess I'll, I might watch it. We'll see if it's that's, on one of my streaming things. It, well, it's uh. It's most definitely there. Like video game movies that, you know, that I've seen so far that just not a lot, not a lot of them really came out. Like, okay, maybe Detective Pikachu, maybe if you looked at that. I know, like, but Jason I think really like Sonic. Uh, <sighs> Sonic the Hedgehog was kind of not great. He's got kids. Right. You know, just looking at, you know, just, uh, oh, the Monster Hunter movie sucked balls. <laughs> I didn't watch that. <laughs> oh, my God. The Monster Hunter movie was bad. Um, uh, <laughs> don't save, save yourself some time. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that to yourself. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I can't really even, yeah, I can't even name any more movies that, uh, movies or shows. I can tell you that Vox Machina, which is based off of D&D, is great. Um, but that's not necessarily a video game. Well, in other news, this will highly interest you. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is getting a graphical upgrade. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, the game director said that they are not going to be doing anything with NFTs. They so this was all part of the uh, the live letter, and I've, the live letters are generally the more important ones are live translated because it's, you know he speaks Japanese. Uh, so they have an interpreter that, you know, translates it to English, which means that those fuckers take, you know, those, uh, those streams take about four hours minimum to get through. Uh, so I watched the first couple hours of it and the NFT thing was like right at the beginning. He made it very clear. Final Fantasy 14 has nothing to do with NFTs and will not have anything to do with NFTs, which is Perfect. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm great with that. Um, I looked at the graphical upgrades, and it looks like they did some stuff with some shaders and some higher-res textures. So they're going higher-res textures. Uh, they're definitely doing uh, they're definitely doing some some work with lighting and shadows. Um, and they uh, uh, they did upgrade some of the textures. This is going to be a project for them that's going to span probably the next couple of years worth of game time. There's quite a bit of content to go through, right? Right. Well, you have to look at all of the different character models, so, all of the different armors and all of that stuff, and they all need to be up as well as all of the world textures and stuff like that, and that's an, an eight-year-old game, almost nine-year-old game now. Uh, and that's that's a lot to ask. That's a lot of, that's a lot of work. Um, but absolutely required like that game needed some you know some love uh what i've seen so far from uh from it is it's it ten, tends to take the mmo not necessarily photorealistic it's not that's not what they're they're not looking for horizon fruit and west is what they were saying that's not their goal 
what their goal is, is trying to pull some of the plasticky looking character model out of it and add more definition to things. Um, and what they're doing with lighting will allow them to, uh, to do some interesting things with storytelling as well, uh, moving forward because their accent lighting was really terrible. Um, you know, in the, you know, in the game, the current version of the game, some of the accent lighting is kind of like baseboard level and it doesn't actually show any of the, uh, the architecture or anything like that. And one of the screenshots that they showed showed the accent lighting more on the architecture so you can see more of it and it adds more shadow to things that are outside of the light uh, so that you can kind of spotlight things a little bit better. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. There's, there's, there's a lot more to Final Fantasy you know, news than just that, but, uh, but that's probably one of the things that needed to happen you know, and it's happened in WoW. I mean, WoW's had graphical upgrades over the years too. Final Fantasy has had incremental changes, but not anything that was systematic. And this is this is going to be a systematic change. Gotcha. So uh, that's it's good. I I think that's going to be great. So another thing that's kind of bigger news. Um, so Bioshock Four um, is reportedly delayed again. Uh, um, I really like Bioshock and I really like System Shock I want to be very frank for just a moment and this is not held by maybe everybody on the show but this is specifically held by me I'm not a fan of Ken Levine <laughs> yeah, no, there's, and that is there's a that. very personal thing but has been it may be confirmation bias but I know that me and old Andrew from way back when who are super big Bioshock fans tried to meet him about three different times um, and because we didn't have IGN badges, he would not give us the time of day. Yeah. Anytime at all. And it was quite rude to us on more than one occasion. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's not to the point of saying, get the fuck out of here, but essentially pretty close. As close to you as that you can get professionally. Yeah. The cold um, shoulder. Yeah. Oh, super cold shoulder. Like barely acknowledged us. Right. And completely looked over us to look at the other people with more fancy press badges. Of course. Um, which left a really sour taste in my mouth for a very long time. This is ten, the 10-year ten grudge. Um, <laughs> but then Jeez. with the confirmation bias of reading the development hell that is anything working with Ken Levine, it was multiple people getting fired or quitting after citing unreasonable work demands. It doesn't surprise me that Bioshock moved on from Ken Levine to being moved to completely different studios. He decided to form his own studio and work on his own art project for a billion years. Um, Good riddance. Um, he is a smart dude who is undoubtedly talented and had his own thing, but like, I can see that causing some issues. Yeah, um, yeah. it, so it moved on. It was originally, you know, take two games, right? And then they basically sold it to something called Cloud Chamber or not sold it, but moved it to a new studio called Cloud Chamber, mm -hmm. which has also had a lot of employment issues. So maybe the new game designer is not much better. Um, but essentially, uh, they've been losing employees and haven't had, they've lost around 40 employees since they started the game development on this game back in 2015, which was seven years ago. Damn. So, it could be in development hell, and we may never see it. Um, I don't, 
I don't know what to say. But, you know, if they do another Bioshock game, I'd like to see what the take is on it outside of Levine. To see if they could make that work. I have always been a fan of that universe. Even two, with it being the lesser of the three games, um, is still pretty good based on everything I've played in the last 15 years or whatever it's been at this point. So, and I remember three really liking the weird open Mormon scene, the Mormon tabernacle thing, like actually leaving a fairly big impression on me playing that. Oh, yeah. Like the serious cult vibes of everything. The Stepford Housewives theme they had going on for that whole oh, game. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And really, really liking that, even though the ending was a little bit weird with that game. Well. Everything's a lighthouse. Right. The The ending was probably the 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 one thing that kind of had people scratching their heads for a while. Um, it may, I mean, it makes not... sense if you if you just kind of like sit down and think about it, but it also at the same time doesn't make very much sense. I think it it feels a little pseudo intellectual, but uh, right, it does. Um, but the um, yeah, yeah, the the that third game was. I I would say that the third game was just okay though. Like second game I think was just one three two for me. Well, yeah, one three two for sure. Um, because one being the big daddy and two just didn't play off the way that you wanted it to. Exactly. You know, and uh, and the first game I remember playing through Bioshock one twice at least twice because I wanted to go uh the you know, save the kids route. Uh, yeah. And you, I remember going through that and finding out that the save the kids route is actually the more rewarding route and you end up getting more upgrades that way. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't, It it's a slow burn because you don't get necessarily get those upgrade packages from the, you know, from the little girls. Um it's it's harder initially, and then it steamrolls at the end. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, because you end up getting a whole lot more upgrade materials. Uh, but yeah, the third one is just okay. Like I didn't necessarily play that more than once. Yeah, um, I really, I have atomic atomic heart as something I'm looking forward to. Oh God, yes. Um, Give me that game, please. It looks like it's borrowing a lot from franchises I like, and I'm not necessarily mad about that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you got another new trailer, but it looks like the window release window is somewhere between September and December right now. It's also going to be on Game Pass day one, no matter what. Ooh. Oh, yes. It's according to Gaming Bolt, which is where I grabbed this from. Nice. Um, said the average playthrough take about 20 hours. They're describing it as... Uh, being inspired by Doom and Wolfenstein, but a little bit over, more over the top. Um, okay. It's, it's an action game kind of revolving around those two games, which I'm 100% behind. But, especially on Game Pass. Fuck. Uh, yeah, but... I would have I probably mean, spent full price for something like this. Playing Wolfenstein and playing Doom, I mean, both of those games are about the same length. And they're both pretty damn good. And they're pretty damn good, yeah. So, I mean... Depending on the Wolfenstein, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that comes out in months now. Hey, versus, I'm, I thought it was in development hell. It looked really, it you know, from what we've seen so far over the uh, over the course of the past, you know, year, two years almost. 
Well, I mean, the recent trailers look fair. I mean, I know they're showing a scripted section. Right. But but they've what they're presenting looks polished. Yeah. And it looks And it's great. got a unique art style to it. It's It's been kind of teasing us for a while. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Especially if it's on Game Pass, man. Mm. Yeah. PC Game Pass. Mm. I hope. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it looked like it was built for PC, so... If if I can save money while playing, you know, you know, while playing fucking brand new games, hell yeah. <laughs> Did you have anything that I've missed? Um, just basic stuff. There's a couple things that uh, uh, that's that's happening with uh, Nintendo. Um, Nintendo will be uh, turning off the eShop for uh, the Wii U and the 3DS. That's weird. Um, oh no, Wii U. I gotcha. Yeah, Wii U and the 3DS. So these are, you know, these are already, these you are know, end of years. life, right? Yeah. Um, but the uh, the significance of that is is that those uh, those consoles had access to classic games, uh, and with the uh, with the shutdown of the eShop, those classic games will no longer be able to be purchased. And while they said that they they want to do something you know similar where you can play classic games on the Switch, uh, they haven't really even announced it for the Switch yet. Uh, so there's a question as to whether or not these classic you know games, the NES, the SNES games that you can pick up on you know on the eShop, whether or not those uh, those will be even available for archiving. You know because there's a lot of uh, uh, there's there's a big push to actually archive, you know, game history, and Nintendo is fully against archiving these things. Like they're uh, totally against anything that has to do with emulation and stuff like that, and any any form of copying of game code so that it can be uh, archived later, uh, you know, or accessed later for you know. You know, just for history, uh, history's sake, uh, is fully opposed by Nintendo, uh, and there's an organization out there that's looking to, you know, to preserve gaming history uh, as historical art, uh, and they're making appeals right now, f- you know, to Nintendo to, you know, to change their stance on this, especially with, uh, with these, you know, these games going off of a commercial market. They should be able to be, you know, uh, archived in some way so that, you know, so that people can, you know, play these games and say like a library setting, you know, just to, you know, to experience what these, uh, you know, what these works of arts, you know, be, what they could, what they represented for the gaming history. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Nintendo does. Uh, Nintendo being Nintendo and how, how they've been with uh you know how they've attacked the uh the uh the emulation the emulation market, market. Yeah. yeah they've they've really kind of ruled that with a uh with an iron fist for sure so uh, if they open it up and all of those games are still commercially available on on the switch i think it'll be less of an issue um but they can't keep that up forever like I'm I'm pretty sure unless they make some form of concession and that's in, in that sense they can't keep all of Nintendo history available on whatever 
you know, whatever the current console is. Because uh, eventually that shit's going to go away. Yeah, I kind of wish they just could find a way to put it on physical media and just give it to you. To be honest, if they did, if they allowed their own emulator, if they built their own emulator and monetized it, I think people would be happy with that. If well, they, they did, it was a limited run. Well, true, but <laughs> if they if they just went and said, okay, we know that emulation is happening. We accept the fact that emulation is happening. We're going to create our own ROMs, you know, based off of the original game code. Uh, and, you know, we're going to create our own emulator based off of the original, you know, operating systems for the games, uh, game machines themselves. And, you know, we're going to say you can have access to it, you know, like Game Pass style, where you pay a subscription and you can download the ROMs and play them. I think, I think they would have a hit on their hands because there's a lot of Super Nintendo games that I would love to play again, you know, you know, and they don't necessarily have either a remake or a remaster. And I don't necessarily really want to have to wait for a remake or remaster for some of these games because they will lose some of the spark that they had from, you know, from the Super Nintendo days. You right. Know, some, you know, some of the times, you know, I played those games just for the MIDI music, like the old fucking Mega Man music. I still jam to that shit. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I want to see... I want to see Nintendo make some changes in, uh, in in their stance on that, but that is a thing that's happening. Um, let's see. There was one other thing that I saw, and I think it's basically not not that big of a deal. Basically, you know, uh, Sean Murray had said something not too long ago, saying uh, that No Man's Sky is still not done. Uh, just crazy. He's there. The team is still working on it. They're still doing updates to it. Are they it. still making money off it? I don't know. Um, well, the because... team's not that big either. I think that's part of the thing. So I think Sean Murray's whole team's like 10 people. But yeah, true. But I think that that, I mean, that game doesn't necessarily have, uh, I mean, it's just you know, the initial cost of buying the game. You know, there really isn't, like, microtransactions in that game at all that I remember. I think they probably made a decent amount of money and then it became a financial success, just not a not a review success. Well, I mean... And then people bought it again, and then people continued to buy it. I think I've... I mean, I only bought that game once, but I bought it when it first came out. Like 60 bucks? Right. And I got maybe $20 worth of game out of it. So initially, yeah, you know, but then again, I probably also put about 150 hours into it over combined game sessions. So I don't know. It's, it's a thing. I'm not sure how they're making money, uh, <laughs> to be honest, but well, it's still not done. Steam said it made $43 million. I mean, for a small studio, that's, that's a lot. Uh, but I don't know. Is it f five years a lot? That's how, um, many, how many people work at, um, what's the name of Hello Games? Yeah. Hello Games. I mean, they, they've they been known for, you know, s you know smaller titles, like smaller indie titles. So 26 people work there. 26 people. Oh, I mean, 
I guess that would be enough to, you know, maybe keep the support lights on. Support 26 and, people. Yeah, and support 26 people for, five for a years. while. Yeah. Probably about 20 years. I mean, yeah. And they, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they're getting rig- residual uh, royalties and shit like that from them too. So, huh. I don't know. Anywho, uh, it's still not done. So, you know, that's actually kind of a stark contrast from the very beginning. Like, start, you know, where Sean's, you know, straight up lies to people. Uh, he, he said he was going to make it right. And fucking almost five years later, he's still making it right. So, uh, I think it's a pretty good redemption arc on it. It is, it, it, it is one of the be- uh, better redemption arcs in, in gaming. You know, it is being used as the, uh, the poster child for a redemption arc, especially for a, uh, for a developer. So in 20, by, I don't have any, uh, anything recent. But in 2016, that it had made 79.2 million dollars. Damn. Okay. Well, they definitely have enough time, have enough to uh, keep that fucker going, I guess. Yeah, I'm really going down this rabbit hole. It sold 22 million copies, and this was as of five years ago. 22 million copies five years ago. Okay, that's a lot of money. Um, just that's like almost Terraria level. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, that would explain why they still had the funds to finish this out. Yeah, but you know, it's one of those. Uh, it's it's one of those games that's a slow burn, and it's still fun to actually go back into. Um, you know, as you uh, as you go through. You know, through your gaming stuff, you can say, "Oh, I'm going to play No Man's Sky and see if anything's you know different." Uh, and there's still a lot of creative mode shit that's really, really interesting in it. So, eh, it's not for me right now, but you know, it might be sometime in the future. It's a game I'm, I can go back to. Yeah, I'm at some point when everything slows down. There's a few VR titles that I'm going to try, and that's one of them that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Loading into and trying out in VR. Fucking jetpacking, though. Uh, my stomach a, is already turning. I have a strong stomach for VR. <laughs> yeah, but jetpacking I would can, be a fucking... I can drive a human. Driving a human's fine. Jetpacking is a little different because now you're, you know, now you're uh, like, hovering or flying through the fucking air. And, uh, no, man. We shall see. But with that, I think we need to close out the show. I'm pretty sure we do. I'm going to tell you where you can find us. You can find us at TiltCast.com. You can find us on Facebook.com slash TheRealTiltCast. Mm-hmm. YouTube.com slash TheRealTiltCast. Twitter.com slash TheRealTiltCast. And really just look for us on Facebook and Twitter. But really subscribe and review us on Spotify. We are on iTunes. I don't pay attention to those numbers. I'm just going to be honest because I fucking hate Apple. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Apple. Yeah, he screwed us before. still screwing us now. Um, Eat shit and die. Yeah, Spotify is where you want to download your episodes and subscribe to us. Um, and please review us. That'll help us get up in the charts. Please. We've been a show for a very long time, and this was me and Rusty yeah. making the show happen again for you guys on right. the free. On the free. So um, other places oh, or other friends of the show that you can ha- we have, um, For the Love of Gaming, Cabbage KBG, you've got NoQuarters.net, Picking Up the Pixels, BMFCast.com. And TVGP.TV, they kind of play MMOs. And with that, it's the end of the show. (laughs) All right. Peace.